family podcast about the Essendon Football Club. And listeners out there, unfortunately this week, it's not a family podcast. It's a solo podcast. It's a lecture. I alone, Nick, your host, will discuss the very, very sad showing of the Essendon Football Club against the GWS Giants. Unfortunately, we had an opportunity to really start to cement our spot in the top eight. And what going into the game looked like a really positive, great opportunity to get a nice win and start to march towards September. Now, seemingly, has put our final hopes hanging by a thread given the games that we have coming up. But I have to admit, it, it was not unexpected for me. I was hopeful that we would get a consistent performance, but as we were looking at the last couple of weeks, the Adelaide game, the North Melbourne game, the team started to look a little bit tired and unfortunately I think a performance like this was due. We managed to get over the line in both those games uh, but this one was just a, a bridge too far. And of course, you know, some mitigating circumstances around the match being that, you know, yet again, we're interstate, yet again, away from home and, and losing. What I think, um, really, I think in this instance, that home ground advantage really did end up costing us. I don't think they have the ability to match us on Marvel Stadium. And, and the fact that it was played away from home, neutral crowd, well, really a home crowd for us because GWS don't have any supporters, but a neutral venue where we don't have the luxury of being in our own homes and forcing them to travel, I felt um, really was that 5 or 10% difference that, that created the type of performance that we got. But it's... Uh, Let's let's not beat around the bush. It was it was a performance that really was poor across many many levels. And as I go through this episode and this lecture today, I think there are a few failings across the board, uh, both in the coaching panel, the selection panel, and all the way through uh, across not only the twenty two on the field, but but the men in the coaches box and, and the club as a whole. So. Why don't we jump straight into it and hit our likes or my likes and dislikes. So I'm going to start with the team selection and and unfortunately I have a dislike here and I think we're a little bit too keen to pull the trigger on the dropping of Matt Guelphy. He had a a really good game last week, I have to say. Uh, His pressure was up, his kicking efficiency was up. He, He had quite a solid game. And I'm really surprised that they decided to drop him, leave him as a medical sub, um, and bring in both Dylan Scheel and David Zaharakis. Now, uh, if we have a look at the performances of both those players, I was not 
Dylan Shield kind of gets a bit of a bit of a free pass because we knew he was underdone coming in, and perhaps you know again on the on the coaches probably not the right option to make. But I was really for one, I was really excited to see the addition of Dylan Shield with Merritt and Parrish in such good form, and and really. I was hoping to see over the next few weeks potentially a performance that we haven't had from him since he's been in his colours at, at Bomberland. He's had told us so much of the load. But um, look, he'll he'll be better for the run coming forward. But 13 disposals, you know, six kicks, seven handballs. Uh, again, failed to hit the target um, when having some crucial shots running inside 50. But when we have a look further down and you could say that David Zaharakis was sort of the the straight swap for for Guelphie. Um, 10 disposals, you know, for 76% time on ground, no pressure acts from him, no goals. Oh, sorry. He did kick a goal. Um, Really not, not the kind of performance that we need from one of our leaders. I don't think we can afford to be carrying as much as I love Zaka, um, a player who, is not getting his hands on the football, even as an outside runner. And with the opportunity that he had to be an outside runner in this midfield with Parrish and Merritt being the collectors, and maybe he's playing that similar role to what he had last year of that high half forward on the fat side of the ground, playing that selfless team role. I just don't think either of those inclusions really warranted the dropping of Matt Guelphy. You can't afford to carry two underdone players into a game where it's crucial for your season and can give you such a such a boost going forward. So I was really disappointed um, with the selection for that matter. I think you can afford to carry either a Dylan Sheila or a David Zaharakis uh, coming back from injury, but certainly not both. And if we're looking at their pedigree and what we're expecting, I think Dylan Sheil as the only one that you're willing to carry into the team um, makes sense to me. I... And it, and it could be a depth thing as well. I think Braden Ham, I think he's going to be a player, but I think he needs some extended time in the twos. I think he just needs the opportunity to get his hands on the footy, really uh, focus on his role, clean up his decision-making a little bit. I think um, I haven't really been impressed with his performances over the last few weeks. And there was a, a passage of play late in the game when he could have laid a tackle and he didn't. Um, and and this is not because he's he's afraid. I'm suggesting he's afraid of of body contact or anything like that. But just decision making. He he kind of instead of bottle lining the ball and just stopping it progressing forward, he kind of did a bit of corralling and and maybe got caught in um, trying to do exactly what his job is for the defensive structure rather than really attacking the football or attacking the player. Um, and I think he probably just needs needs some game time where he can like. Nine disposals, you know, getting that 10, 12 disposals a game. He probably needs a, a few games in the twos where he can amass that 25 to 30 disposals and really get some confidence and con- continuity with his game. So um, those three for mine, I think I would have happily dropped for uh, for Guelphie to stay in, which um, hopefully he gets a run next week because um, neither of those three really in my opinion, deserve to keep their spots, who are similar-sized and similar-type players of, of Guelphie's uh, stature. Certainly, there's there's a few other players that had poor games, but but not in similar positions to, to Matt Guelphie. So, dislike number one, 
the selection of the team. Um, I thought we could have done a little bit better in that regard. Um, to give a positive, really happy, a like, really happy with Sam Durham's game. Gee, this kid is another Dodoro special. Going to be a really, really good player. He's clean by foot. He attacks a contest really hard. He's just everything that you could possibly want from a mid-season recruit. He, I, I really like how he goes about his football. And certainly, um, I don't want him to see him dropped from the team going forward. Barring injury, I think Sam Durham should be playing week in, week out. Really, really like how he goes about it. Neat skills, really quick, tough, as I was saying. Loves a tackle, loves a body contest. Um, Sam Durham, he's almost, as we were talking about last week, almost a mini-me of Sam Draper. I like the way that Draper puts his body on the line as well, and Sam Durham's kind of that that small version of him. So really, really happy. with his performance over the last two weeks. And and I expect he's just going to be getting better and better and better. So to move on to another dislike, um, I feel like we got outcoached on the weekend. I feel like GWS got our measure and after half time, we're just walking it out of the clearances and managing to just play keepings off. They just played their kick mark game didn't create any ground ball contest, didn't allow us the opportunity to put any pressure on the ball at all. Um, and as seems to be the way with our coaching staff, that we're happy to concede that first kick coming out of defence. And this happened against the Kangaroos and it happened um, in, in patches against Adelaide. They were able to move the ball really the length of the ground without our zone creating turnovers higher up the ground. And the fact that we've been playing that way, even against Hawthorne in the week before or two weeks before that, um, they managed, the teams have seemed to, or coaches have seemed to work out Essendon that if you play keepings off, they have a hard time getting the ball back. Now, I don't know if this is purely tactical or if there's, it's not quite working that the coaches intend. Like a, of course, I'm not suggesting that coaches just want us to let them kick it all the way into the forward line and then try and hit a target. Of course, the the defensive structure is, is about creating turnovers, but I feel like it's not it's not getting the job done. Either players aren't getting to the right positions, or they're not pressuring the appropriate uh, kick when it happens. So, if that happens to be that maybe they want to concede that first kick out of defence, but then push up when it gets to centre wing and try and create pressure there, that doesn't seem to be happening. The players don't seem to be closing quick enough and they don't seem to be pushing hard enough. Structurally, um, there are times when they seem the opposition seems to have no options going forward and that shows that the defensive structure is holding up to some regard, but It's just not creating turnovers in our front half or even in the middle of the ground. We are getting the turnovers when it comes into our defense. And that's really to the credit of the quality of players that we have in there. So the quality of the Jordan Ridleys, the Laverties, even um, James Stewart to creating those, getting those intercept marks, creating those turnovers deep in defense. But if we want to continue to improve as a football club, really those turnovers need to happen further up the ground. 
and we need to be getting uh, opportunities over the top from those turnovers, hitting McDonald, Tip and Woody lace out, um, getting to, you know, uh, Devin Smith's running into open goals. Those sorts of performances or those sorts of positions is what we want to create with that high turnover. And it just hasn't been happening the last few weeks and certainly something that we can't afford to let Sydney do to us next week because they will just have a field day um, with their high quality possessions coming forward. Um, I'm a, I have some concerns around uh, Waller. He seems to be out of sorts a little bit, and I suspect he's carrying an injury, uh, maybe a corky, maybe an ankle. But he he's been he seems a little bit off the pace uh, recently, uh, particularly uh, in the game against GWS. He seems a little bit slow, a little bit um, slow to react. He's didn't seem as sharp with the ball in hand, so. Um, and he missed a set shot, which he would normally... I mean, he's a very, very good set shot normally, but he normally would nail those set shots. And, um, yeah, there's something not quite right going on with Waller, and I, I suspect it's injury. I don't I don't think there's anything with his application or his, um, his training ability or anything like that, uh, but I suspect he's probably carrying something. It is... But, it, again, it is a concern for me when um, you have a player who's... Uh, role is forward pressure and he's not able to do that. Are we, again, better off having a Mac Welfie in or um, a Ned Carl or someone who you can just tell to just put the pressure on? You're not going to get the, the silk that you get from Waller, but maybe that week is enough or that two weeks is enough to freshen him up and, and have him back ready to go. So a, a concern for me. Um, and that also leads into another concern in, in our inaccuracy in front of goal, particularly from set shots. The, we really had an opportunity to have a, a five or six goal lead leading into halftime and, and missed some easy shots. And same in the second half. To only kick one goal after halftime is really, really poor. And that wasn't because we didn't have the opportunities. We had very kickable set shots that really when the game comes down to a 13 point game and you've missed four or five shots that really you should kick, even playing as poorly as we did in the second half, uh, we managed to stay in the game and we should have been much closer and and probably should have won the game um, given the opportunities that we created and the the, uh, ability of our defense to, to hold them to such a low score. Uh, across the board. So really, really disappointing that our goal kicking has really, it's been quite poor for a number of weeks, um, Adelaide being the prime example, that Adelaide game, but particularly last night, it really hurt us uh, and cost us, in fact, the win. So a a couple of positives um, to kind of balance out the view. I think um, Archie Perkins, again, getting better and better. Finally got caught holding the ball for the first time I think I've ever seen and probably the only time I will ever see that happen. Um, But just starting to build a nice little base with Archie that you know what you're going to get and you can tell he's getting more and more confident. He's, He's kind of growing into his position. He understands that sort of high half forward role. He's getting on the end of it. He's getting into good positions. He's getting good shots at goal. So really pleased with uh, with Archie's performance and, and his continued growth. Uh, Nick Cox had a better game that he's had in recent weeks. He's been down a couple of weeks, but a 15 disposal game, 
um, a goal, really, ad- admittedly, from um, from a very easy shot. Potentially could have had two had he not hit the post. So um, happy that he's coming along nicely. He's sort of come out of that trough and, and he's starting to perform again. So pretty content with his performance. He's still a bit prone to um, the odd brain fart and, and poor decision. But, you know, what can you expect from from a kid of, what, 17 games, 18 games. So, you know, those two coming along nicely. Sam Durham, as I mentioned before, another one that's really, um, I think we've really found a a real good player there in Sam Durham. So really happy with him. Mason Redman um, looked good, albeit from 11 possessions. Looked really good, had some dash, tried to create, um, tried to create going forward. Um, And really, in, in a backline that as strong as we've had, um, Nick Hind was well held and didn't get around the football. And it's nice to know that that Redmond can sometimes take up some of that load. Ridley did Ridley things. Uh, probably, I would say our ooh, him and Heppel probably our two best uh, last night, which was um, good to see. He's getting he's kind of just doing going about his business and continued on in that really really good form. Same with Laverde. Um, really great performance from from those three, but I can't really think of of many more winners. Um, very very poor games from Parish and Merritt. Um, whether that was uh, the GWS midfield getting on top, I know Parish was tagged, um, but in that second half we just could not get a clearance and could not get our hands on the football. And again, coming back to the coaching. Did something need to be adjusted or was it simply an application or an effort thing? Even Jake Stringer, who normally is good for getting in there and getting us some clearances, um, didn't really make an impact. So that that was a really big concern. And and for, for our two best midfielders who have been averaging 35 to 40 possessions a week, to both have an off day is, is a concern. Um, because normally if one's down, the other one kind of picks up the load. Um, and again, suggests that perhaps we still don't quite run deep enough. Now, I understand injuries have played a factor. Shields making his first game back for you know since round two. Andrew McGrath's out. Caldwell's out. So I, I don't. It's not panic stations, but um, we really got shown up on Sunday night when Parish and Merritt both had down games. There was no one else really to step up and take the load. Um, I was, I was quite pleased with Devin Smith's game in, I think he's starting to work out his role in the forward line, um, created, had a really nice goal, created some opportunities back to his old, almost back to his old pressurizing ways or or pressuring ways. So, um, it was a more positive performance from him than we've had for a number of weeks. Um, but overall, a pretty poor day. And a, the, the biggest concern for me was the seeming um, lack of intensity and lack of effort, um, given our season essentially was on the line. I'd... Uh, I don't think it's uh, a big issue. It could potentially just have been an off day. But like I said earlier, I did feel like 
that this performance had been brewing for a couple of weeks. So hopefully it's it's the wake up call that we need um, and can use this as sort of a boost to get us over the line against Sydney, which is almost um, the Sydney and Western Bulldogs games coming up in terms of our finals chances. We, we just simply have to win one of those, I think. Um, if we can win both, then, then that's great. But they're, they're simply must wins, one of those. And it's a concern that our energy is starting to taper, although understandably, towards the end of the season with a young group. I just wanted to um, touch on some of... Well, one thing that really, that really frustrates me about GWS, and that is Shane Mumford and the way that his antics get laughed off as him being a big, clumsy oaf, right? He's actually quite a sniper. And the fact that he very rarely gets free kicks paid against him and very rarely gets cited for things. Um, There was an incident in the second quarter when Parrish disposed of the ball and Mumford was about 15 metres away from the play and went for a high hit on Parrish. Um, and he has so many incidents like this in so many games where he just drops the knees in, drops his elbow in, all this sort of ha-ha clumsy mummy. No, he's actually a sniper. And it, it frustrates me that, and it's not just against Essendon, it's it's just consistency. It's just consistently in his game. And the fact that it never gets highlighted, never gets acknowledged as anything than something that's a little bit funny is really quite a concern, especially when the AFL, it's very hypocritical of the AFL to say that, you know, we want to protect the players and we want to protect the head from concussion, etc. when they allow someone like this to continue to get away with such a sort of barbaric and old school behaviour. So, um, yeah, just wanted to make mention of that because I'm... For one, I'm sick of seeing it. And I like that that Draper, we now have a Ruckman that's sort of going to stand up for our footy club. But very, yeah, it, very disappointing that that nothing has been done and, and he consistently is just allowed to do these sorts of things and perform these sorts of acts. So very, very disappointing. And it wouldn't be a podcast for me without mentioning the umpires and particularly a couple of 50-metre penalties that were paid one way and not the other, certainly the Callan Ward one. And then a similar one, I think it was um, into Nick Cox, um, a similar knock after the mark and not paid a 50-metre penalty. It's It frustrates me. It's certainly not the reason that we lost the game. I think our intensity was the reason and, and some coaching adjustments were the reason that we lost the game. But um, again, just a frustration that I have when watching football, particularly when you're stuck in lockdown and you can't even yell at the umpires. You just have to yell at the TV and scare your cats. Um, so so very, very disappointing from that regard. But look, it, overall, I think for, for the season that we've had, to only have a couple of performances like this, I'm, I'm genuinely quite pleased. It does mean that our finals hopes are kind of a little bit more in jeopardy than, than us. You know, we really had the opportunity to cement our spot and, and start to take some steps towards September. So I'm I'm a little bit disappointed in that regard. But overall, I think this list is building where 
we're short of a gallop with a number of players where we're really testing our depth with, you know, a lot of our midfielders or top line midfielders missing. Um, and I think overall we're, we're on the up. There's more positives out of this season than negatives, but I'd, I'd be, you know, lying if I didn't suggest that I was, I was disappointed with the result, especially given what was on the line. So what we might do now or what I might do now is take a break and then when I come back I'll look forward to the game against the Sydney Swans. So looking ahead to this week's game against the Swans, uh, as I was saying earlier, I think this game is really crucial for us to get uh, more points out of, as they all are coming towards the end of the season. But, but this one in particular, for a number of reasons, I think that game earlier in the season when we lost by three points or two points, whatever it was, um, really, I think... For the group, I really want them to get this win and demonstrate the improvement that they've had throughout the year. I think they were quite unlucky in that game. And I think playing this game in Melbourne, hopefully, in front of somewhat of a of a home crowd, hopefully again, um, would just be a really good, uh, not yardstick, but really good way of measuring the improvement that we've seen throughout the year. And of course... For our finals hopes as well, I think getting a win against Sydney Swans makes up for the fact that we lost against the GWS, and then we can load up and really try and get that that top four scalp in the following week against the Western Bulldogs. I think it's going to be a really tough game. I think Sydney are playing really good football, but I don't think it's impossible to win. Fremantle showed early in the game uh, on the weekend, that if you bring your A-grade pressure and match them around the contest, then you can give yourself a really good chance to win the game. And you can, if you stay thereabouts, then anything can happen late in the game. But unfortunately for Fremantle, uh, not only did Fife go off injured, but so did Michael Walters. And that really hurt their rotations. And then Sydney were able to use the lack of pressure that that Fremantle were able to uh, apply to then open up the game and start to really play um, some really high quality football and use their foot skills and their kick mark game to get the ball forward and, and really put the pressure on the scoreboard. Uh, Isaac Heaney had an incredible game with five goals, but I, I think of all the teams in the league, I think we tend to match up really well on Heaney. And when I say we, I mean, Laverde matches up really well on Heaney. So I'm not so concerned with him. I, I expect that with Buddy's elbow, um, he should be out this week, given he had a late hit 
um, early in the game, which is probably a fine. But that certainly that elbow, given his record, he needs to get a week for that. And if he doesn't, then you know questions need to be asked. So I expect that that's probably a bit of a boost for us that uh, Franklin really should not be playing. Um, so in terms of the way we match up against them, we certainly can't afford to bring the pressure that we've brought the last couple of weeks. I think their med- midfield bats a lot deeper than ours, and it's going to have to be really manic pressure across the board to be able to uh, get on top in this game. And certainly we want to be able to sort of bypass a midfield and have a plan for if we're not going to be winning the clearances. Uh, although, Earlier this year, Parrish did have a field day late in the game and, and almost got us over the line. So I I would expect that that part of our game plan is that we want to create turnovers either in the back half or, or keep the ball locked inside our, for, inside our forward 50 and not necessarily set around winning the contest, particularly at the centre bounce. Uh, around the grounds is a little bit different. You can you can set up your structures a little bit better and have a few more players in and around the contest. But I would expect that we're probably trying to create turnovers in, in different situations rather than just trying to beat them at the coalface. Because I just don't think potentially that we have the cattle on the park. If, if you know, we have a fit McGrath and a fit Caldwell, then I think we can try and run head-to-head. But I just don't think that's going to work um, this weekend, unless we get a blinder from Jake Stringer, which, you know, who doesn't love a blinder from Jake Stringer? I think he has the body and, and the ability to potentially win it for us at the center clearances, but I don't think that's what our plan should be based on. I'm excited to see a matchup of uh, Nick Cox against Nick Blakey. I... I think Cox on Blakey is, is a really intriguing matchup. Similarly, in terms of physicality, very similar. Uh, both athletic, both quite tall. And I think a really good test for Nick Cox. If um, Unless we try and get it uh, a, a mismatch on the other wing and, and play with, you know, giving them a mismatch and us another one. I, I'm i kind of excited for that, that contest of Blakey on Cox. Uh, Blakey is... I think he's got a little bit more speed than Cox, but yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to watch that that matchup. I think with Franklin out, I, I'm actually quite confident in our defence. I think um, Hind or um, Redmond on Papley is is a really good matchup. Uh, like I said, I'm happy with Heaney on uh, Laverde on Heaney, and then really take your pick for the rest of their forwards in our defence. I'm I'm not so concerned with Franklin out, even with Franklin in. It's, I mean, it's an exciting test for our defence to see how they can cope with, you know, uh, one of the best forwards in the game. But I think I'm not too stressed about their forward line, particularly if Franklin's out, given the quality of our defence, which I have said on a number of occasions, I think has been our best best line of the season. Um, the defence have just been outstanding. And I mean, consistency helps with that in terms of... Um, a general lack of injuries to our defenders thus far in the season. So it's been a great performance by them and, and I'm pretty confident. It's going forward where, again, um, we may have some issues, but I'm not... I don't fear their defence like other teams. I think 
in terms of height, in terms of ability, we match up really well against them. Where I think Sydney will win this game is through the midfield. If they can get on top and get their clearance numbers going and our pressure's off, I think they'll win comfortably. But if we bring the type of performance that we brought um, when we first played them and, and have shown at our best um, that we can bring, then I think we can match them and certainly can beat them. I think we've got more pace than them. And so I think the the having the game at Marvel, if in fact we do finally get to have a home game, will be quite crucial for us. I think the the quick turf, the ability to get Hind and Redmond giving us drive out of the back line, uh, having our forwards like Stringer and Perkins and Devin Smith being able to run forward of the ball and and gamble a little bit on on us winning possession uh, in the in the back line and slingshotting it forward, I think uh, will serve us very very well. Uh, I think when when it comes to the midfield, the Hickey Draper matchup is quite interesting. Hickey's having a very very good year, and just another really good test for Sam Draper and another opportunity to try and stamp his authority on a match against a really quality Ruckman. Not that I think uh, Shane Mumford's a quality Ruckman. I think he's a thug, but I think Hickey really, and, and good on him. His fourth club, he's, he's 30 or 31 years old, having a career best season. I, I think it's a, a great chance for, for Draper to really uh, test himself against someone who is is having as funny as it sounds a, a breakout year in terms of changes the as i mentioned before i think guelphy needs to come in and i'm not really fussed who he comes in for whether he comes in for zaharakis whether he comes in for ham i don't really care as long as guelphy comes in we need some of his grunt we need some of his attack on the contest uh and we need some of his speed and cleanliness with the football. So, like I said, I'm not really fussed who gets dropped as long as Guelphie comes in. I, I think he deserves a chance to play a game and I think he was really unfairly dropped last week. Uh, in the forward line, do we do we need to bring in a Waterman? Potentially. Something I might consider is Francis played on the weekend uh, and he, I'm not sure where, he, I didn't watch the VFL game, but I would not be averse to bringing in uh, Francis to play in the same role that Harrison Jones was playing uh, before he got injured and, and stick with that three talls or potentially throw bring him in and, and throw Laverde forward. It's I know that we want to give continuity to, to our team and to our players, but we haven't been hitting the scoreboard enough and Francis at VFL level has had really good... Uh, really good performances playing in the forward line in previous years, and as a and I and I'm certainly not suggesting that we turn him into a forward long term, but as you know, a stopgap while we're waiting for Harrison Jones to get back or waiting for him to develop, um, I think it could potentially give a little bit of help to Hooker, a little bit of help to Peter Wright, and take some pressure off the midfield so that they've got another target to hit going forward. And he's actually quite athletic and quite explosive, so. I'd, I'd very happily see Francis thrown forward and, and see what he can do now that he's got some confidence in his body and confidence in his ability uh, in a more creative role rather than doing the great jobs that he has done in defence, but, you know, letting him get on the front foot and, and see some creativity from him. So they're really, um, 
it's kind of all that we've got in terms of bringing players in. Uh, like I said, Waterman or Francis to come in um, would be would be a plus, and you know I'd, I'd happily drop Ham and Zaharakis to bring in Waterman slash Francis and Guelphie. I think they're really the only changes that I'd make. I, I want to give um, the rest of the team the chance to respond. Although the old whipping boy Tommy Cutler, look, he can always be dropped. You know me. Um, I'm not too fussed if he goes. But he did, he has been, in fairness to him, he has been creating more off the halfback line and seeming to be getting involved a little bit more. So um, that would be a little bit unjust. That would be a Don Father special if Tommy Cutler was to get dropped. I don't think he's deserving um, of getting dropped. Certainly hasn't been the worst over the last couple of weeks. But if, do I think... We will win this game. I mean, I always think Essendon's going to win because, let's face it, I'm an Essendon nuffy and, and I always think we're in with the chance even when we're at our worst. But genuinely, I do I do think we can win this game. I think it's going to be a very, very tough game. I think it's going to be one of those games where everything needs to go right for us to win um, and we need to get one of our best performances of the season. If we can get that done, uh, then our finals chances are alive. If we lose this one, I suspect that we probably end up missing the eight, which is okay in a developing year, but I would much prefer that we, we sneak into the eight and um, and get some more experience, some finals experience into the boys. Uh, so certainly my tip is that we will win because, of course, I would never tip against Essendon, but it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough slog. It's going to be a fight and hopefully we're up for it. Well, listeners, it's a little bit of a shorter one this week. Obviously, it's just me talking and, and you sharing that conversation as you're listening. Uh, hopefully, next week we have a win, so more people will want to jump on the pod. Uh, but if not, I'll be back, ready to comfort you on your drive to and from work or wherever your commuting takes you. Uh, as always, follow us on Instagram. Give us a like on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, all that stuff. Uh, send us some suggestions for episodes, ideas, or things that you'd like to, to discuss. Um, and as I record this, I, we have recorded our very late mid-season review. Uh, that will be edited, and that will be a bonus episode out this week as well. So thanks for joining me in this long lecture monologue. And until next time, go Dons.